Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Seek First podcast. I'm Rick Brown. We want to talk about everything here, life, seeking God, biblical truth, today's culture. We want to unpack so we can understand what is happening around us. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Take a minute to subscribe to the Seek First podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. Let's jump in. Welcome to the Bryce Eddy Show on Liberty Station, and uh, we are working hard here to be a threat to the Great Reset. And today I have my co-host, uh, Pastor Rick the Brawler Brown, here <laughs> to hang out with me. And um, this message, uh, or this podcast, will air um, here uh, the week before Christmas. Mm-hmm. You know, we're recording this the day after we had Dr. Peter McCullough here at the church, um, and... That was exceptional, and I, I, I said when you came in, and I want to pay you another compliment, you did such a great job laying out the time we are in mm-hmm. and some of the things that uh, happened with the COVID narrative and all mm. of this sort of stuff. You did such a great overview. I think people need to go to the Godspeak channel. I also think we're going to air it on this uh, on Liberty Station as mm-hmm. well, um, but... You did phenomenal. Thanks, and You know Chris. how I was impressed, but mm. also Dr. Peter McCullough, who's sitting right in front of me, was very impressed. He's like, this guy gets it. You know, he kept, <laughs> he kept whispering over to your wife and be like, wow, you know, he's on it. And it was beautiful. So it was it was such a privilege. You know, we looked forward to him coming yeah. and uh, because he's been such a voice yeah. for uh, medical science and truth. And he's been stripped of his profession. I mean, everything really. Yeah. Uh, and he's paid the price. But as I tried to nail him down on that, like, what makes you stand up? And he, 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 he just said, "This is the most exciting time to live." And I think that you and I feel that yeah. way. Yeah. To have the times of adversity to stand up and exercise. Uh, godly manhood, mm-hmm. right? To be a voice, uh, I think is awesome. So thank you for your encouragement. And I had so much fun. I thought it was such a privilege. Yeah, really. well, we're, we're going to get him on this program as well. He had a really tight schedule coming out and, yeah. and you know, it would be so great to have had him in person, but, but yeah. we're going to get David Leake and him um, to, yeah. to come on the show, maybe separately, maybe together. I'm not sure, but, but we're in those discussions now because, um, it was great, and to uh, hit on that, and for the people who were here, you know, they they um, uh, got to hear some you know pretty stunning things in mm-hmm. regards to what he thinks is is potentially coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so the folks that have gone, okay, shoo, you know, I'm not part of the 15 percent that had adverse reactions to the vaccine. Yeah. You know, I escaped it, no problem, no big deal. Um, he doesn't believe that that is over in terms it's of not the possible. The end. Yeah adverse reactions that, mm-hmm. that um, you know, will potentially wreak havoc on your body over time, having mm-hmm. introduced that, you know, artificial, um, you know, spike protein into your mm-hmm. body. So, yeah. Well, I think what's great about uh, Dr. McCullough uh, is he, he will only um, basically narrate what is proven mm-hmm. and he can cite with the studies and the various things. He doesn't get off in the weeds. He doesn't. Uh, even when I... Uh, we were talking about the sterilization because of the drop in reproductivity for men and women. Yeah. I'm like, this vaccine's the you know best sterilization if you wanted to reduce population the world has ever seen. But because those studies haven't been done, he just was very sober. And yeah. I appreciate that yeah, because I, I mean, I, he... I'm, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I can say what... I'm thinking without yeah. the same kind of repercussions. Yeah, no, and I and I appreciate that because you know you and I we can speculate on these yes. things, right? Yeah. And we can yeah. see. I mean, early on, you know, um, some very well-known people that that I respect that people would know their names privately when when I was asking in some of these pr- rooms where I was privileged to be in, yeah. going, what do you guys think this is about? Why are they pushing this thing so hard this mm-hmm. way for this long? And many of them do believe that th- there is, you know, very nefarious uh, aims, including population um, control or yes. population reduction. By yeah. you know, because one of the things that I found it interesting that he said was, this has been changing a woman's menstrual cycle just by a couple of days in many cases. Which doesn't seem I didn't know the medical ramifications. Yeah, of that. and he talks about how it is such a 
uh, well, he used the term immaculate, which I thought was kind immaculate, of immaculate, right? He, yeah. You know, he, yeah. he, he said it, it's a immaculate process or it's so, you know, um, but it, it's also a delicate process. And mm -hmm. it's something that moving or shifting that um, window uh, just by a day or two can have mm -hmm. an implication, a dramatic implication on fertility and childbearing and everything else. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, for those of you that are uh, unconvinced that you made the right choice not getting vaccinated, you made the right choice. Not yeah, you watch this video and you're going to go, yeah. we yeah. dodged a bullet. Yeah, so definitely, um, you know, pay attention to that. Um, you know, we'll have put it on our channel already. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, on the Godspeak channel. Um, so, uh, Pastor Rick, I know when you look at me, you think poetry. Absolutely. Yes. And musicals. Yes. And, you know, I mean, people don't know this about you, Bryce. Yeah, so um, every year, well, for the last several years, although I, I tease my wife that if we do it once, it becomes a tradition. Mm -hmm. So we've done this more than once. So okay. It's definitely a tradition yeah. in our house. But but uh, me and some of my buddies, uh, you know, over for Christmas parties and things like that, we'll read poetry. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to read poetry on this show, and I promise it's good. Uh, I'll set this up. I'm going to read um, a poem by Rudyard Kipling. Rudyard Kipling is the author of the Jungle Book. That's mm -hmm. what he is uh, most well known. But he but he wrote a lot of beautiful things. Um, and um, this poem has always been my favorite poem. And once I uh, read it, you will um, see why. Uh, because I, I see it as giving us uh, great hope. Although he wrote it, um, you can tell it was right after World War One, I, I believe, which he participated in. And um, and you can see that he was discouraged in um, writing it. Uh, it's a dark poem. But uh, the title of it is called The Gods of the Copybook Headings. And the reason I'm going to, to set this up is because you need to understand that title first. And what it was is in um, the UK, school children would copy down universal truths in order to practice their penmanship but also in order to absorb some of these universal truths. So it would be things as simple as water is wet, fire burns, things like that. But it would also be, you know, more expansive sentences that were just, you know, things that, that were important and sort of foundational Western ideas of truth, okay? Like indisputable truths such as those. And um, in this poem, he compares the gods of the copybook headings, and he actually quotes a little bit of scripture loosely in here, to what he calls the gods of the marketplace. And he talks about the, uh, we, we want to abandon all of these truths for the fancy and fanciful things that the gods of the marketplace promise us. So, without further ado... You have my undivided attention. Here is my dramatic reading of The Gods of the Copybook Headings <laughs> by Rudyard Kipling. Everybody tune in. Bryce yes. said he's going to read poetry. As I pass through my incarnations in every age and race, I make my proper prostrations to the gods of the marketplace. Peering through reverent fingers, I watch them flourish and fall, and the gods of the copybook headings, I notice, outlast them all. We were living in trees when they met us. They showed us each in turn that water would certainly wet us as fire would certainly burn. But we found them lacking in uplift, vision, and breadth of mind. So we left them to teach the gorillas while we followed the march of mankind. We moved as the spirit listed. They never altered their pace, being neither cloud nor windborne like the gods of the marketplace. But they always caught up with our progress, and presently word would come that a tribe had been wiped off its ice field, or the lights had gone out in Rome. With the hopes that our world is built on, they were utterly out of touch. They denied that the moon was Stilton. They denied she was even Dutch. They denied that wishes were horses. They denied that a pig had wings. So we worshiped the gods of the market, who promised these beautiful things. When the Cambrian measures were forming, they promised perpetual peace. They swore if we gave them our weapons that the wars of the tribes would cease. But when we disarmed, they sold us and delivered us bound to our foe. And the gods of the copybook heading said, stick to the devil you know. 
On the first Feminian sandstones, we were promised the fuller life, which started by loving our neighbor and ended by loving his wife. Till our women had no more children and the men lost reason and faith, and the gods of the copybook heading said, the wages of sin is death. In the Carboniferous epic, we were promised abundance for all by robbing selected Peter to pay collective Paul. But though we had plenty of money, there was nothing our money could buy. And the gods of the copybook heading said, if you don't work, you die. Then the gods of the market tumbled, and their smooth-tongued wizards withdrew, and the hearts of the meanest were humbled and began to believe it was true, that all is not gold that glitters, and two and two make four, and the gods of the copybook headings limped up to explain it once more. As it will be in our future, it was at the birth of man. There are only four things since certain social progress began. That the dog returns to his vomit and the sow returns to her mire and the burnt fool's bandaged finger goes wobbling back to the fire. And that after this is accomplished and the brave new world begins, when all men are paid for existing and no man must pay for his sins, as surely as water will wet us, as surely as fire will burn, the gods of the copybook headings with terror and slaughter return. That's great. <laughs> Very well read, Bryce. Good oh, job. Oh, well, thank yeah. you. Thank you. Well, you know, I've done it once or twice. <laughs> Practicing New Year's Eve. Reading poetry on New Year's <laughs> Eve is my thing. It, and people, I mean, you really do. You're, you have an artistic side. And because you're such a man's man, and in some regards... And yet you have an artist, you love musicals, sincerely. And yes, you, I and, sing musical theater. And yeah. one day, if we really get these microphones dialed in, I'll yeah. sing something. You'll do it, right? <laughs> we'll have... Uh, um, or if you come to my house for one of my parties, you know, we might most break certainly. out in song. Yeah, all the, a lot of music at yes, the Eddie House, true. especially at Christmas. Such a blessing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so <clears throat> why I wanted to read this and why it's my favorite is because I think that... Um, you know, we are so frustrated right now watching nonsense mm -hmm. proliferate in our culture, right? And watching these things, like he says, you know, um, the, uh, the, the gods in the marketplace, they have the breath and lift and all of this stuff that's so fanciful that we just absolutely love and adore. And look, you know, we can, we can change definitions of things and yeah. all this stuff. But at some point, reality says no to those things and sets back in because God's truth are universal, right? That's right. And that's, that's, that's what right. we're talking about here. You know, yeah. fire, uh, water will wet us, fire will burn. Yeah. Um, those things will come back and, you know, like he says, with terror and slaughter return because the people that are ignoring the, the truth of what God has given us and, and the nature around us, which mm -hmm. God is the author of, yeah. Um, you know, they will pay the consequences. Absolutely. Well, when you, the, in mental health, the more disconnected you are from reality is the more serious your mental illness, mm -hmm. right? So when you begin to believe the, these fantasies and these dysphoria and you get further and further away from reality and then like gravity, reality will wake you up. Mm -hmm. To where you wake up one day and go, I chase this rainbow, uh, unicorns and r rainbows, and now my life's destroyed. And you come, uh, I like how it's said that, uh, you know, come limping back to the, the reality to, to stand up for these old truths. Because if it's true, it's not new. And yeah. if it's new, it's not true. And. With that, you know, I just made reference to, you know, changing definitions. You know, mm -hmm. they, um, in this last week, uh, changed the definition of women and definition of men to meet this, you know, new insanity that we are celebrating, that, you know, men could be women and women could yeah. be men and all that stuff. And and we want to, I think, as, uh, as believers, as, you know, people of common sense and good cheer, you know, we want to say, oh, that's nonsense, and we want to, you know, define it. We want to say, well, wait a second, okay, yeah. you put that in your uh, dictionary now, but, you know, you go back, uh, you know, 10 years, and, you know, here's the real definition, and, and we right. want to get arguing on that. Sure. When I think we need to tell these people, you know, shut up, you fool. <laughs> get out of here with that nonsense. You know, go back to the kids' table. 
And, and we can tell them that, but ultimately they have to allow their fantasy, their disconnect from reality to knock the tar out of them. Like yeah. to go down this road, like the people that we see now uh, that are detransitioning from the gender delusion and are coming out, they're like, it's a lie. I was lied to. I was, I, you know, they feel so deceived and duped and taken in. And so they come back to this age old process that, uh, very much like uh, what is a woman when they're talking to the tribesmen in Africa. Yeah. They're like, what is it? Well, these definitions, by the way, it's not some random, uh, you know, ill-respected dictionary. It was the Cambridge Dictionary yeah. that is making this definition uh, change of definitions. And I, I shared last night, you know, sincerely, we're, you're going to have to have old books because it, whoever can control the language, mm -hmm. controls the future. Yeah. So to have these old books, because we know that everything else is gonna be scrubbed, kind of like a, a, a Wikipedia uh, file that just gets morphed and changed to where uh, our grandchildren will not know these definitions unless yeah, and, they're and connected I, to old truth. Um, I, I have a, a belief, you know, so I, I read a ton and I have a lot of books and mm -hmm. I've probably, you know, gotten rid of or disposed of more books than most people have read. And that's mm -hmm. not, that's not a brag, yeah. uh, but it is just because I've had a passion for reading, yeah. you know, since I was young and, mm -hmm. and I've always appreciated that. But I have gone to, um, you know, reading on things electronically. And then I realized that, wait a second, okay, if this is an important and good book, this may not exist in the future. And having Amazon own my library might yeah. not be a good idea because we aren't too far from the idea of them saying, oh, that's forbidden material mm -hmm. and it's no longer available on our website, but also you no longer have it on your Kindle. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and there's, uh, and somebody had brought up that, uh, concern when the electronic or ebooks first came out, and I thought it was nonsense because you know we're going back, you know, ten plus years ago, and yeah. I'm thinking, oh come on, you know, yeah. you know, ah, that's a little, that's a little far, that's a little dystopian future, but no, we're in those times. We absolutely are in those times, and we know that when uh, Hitler came to power in '33, and then as he moved in, he did the big purge of book burning, yeah. anything that would, uh, I mean, people that spoke. Uh, philosophically, yeah. uh, any of these things that produce a freedom and liberty mindset rather than uh, a uh, subordinate, submissive attitude towards the state were anathema. They got rid of them. Yeah, and um, get good news, Amazon can do that without actually creating harm for the environment because they don't need to burn anything. They can just disappear it off of your That's machine. Right. Just push a button. So, yeah, so if, um, and I've been having fun with it, but I have been taking important books. Um, you know, I save, I, I've always saved the books that I thought were important. You know, okay, mm -hmm. would, would I ever want to read this again was my rule. Would I ever want to read this again, yeah. would I recommend it to someone else, yeah. you know, or want to give it to, to someone as a gift off my mm -hmm. shelf or, you know, lend it out, which... Mm -hmm lending them out. They don't always come back. We call that giving them away because <laughs> yeah. you don't get them back, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, half the time I forgot who I gave it to. So it's a big problem. But, um, but I have been going and buying some of those hard books that I think are important. Mm -hmm. I've also been, um, you know, going and buying like collector's editions where possible of yeah. some of these books that are, should be treasured and should be saved. Yeah. So I'd encourage, you know, people out there in the audience to do that too because there may be a time where those are, uh, genuine treasures because they hold the key to knowledge that, you know, the, the world or the tyrannical government doesn't want us to have. That's right. You know, in, in authoritarian governments, you know, the Bible's forbidden. Yeah. And so having a, a few Bibles on your shelf, uh, wonderful books. I do that. You know, I, uh, I love to devour books by audio because mm -hmm. I, I'm, I have a good, so I. I have good audio retention. And, and then if I go, I want, I need the hard copy because yeah. I need the, these uh, stats out of it, and it's harder to do because I don't do Kindle, mm -hmm. um, where you can just cut and paste. Then I go, then I buy the hard copy, I, I and I end same. up buying two books. Yeah, but I think you know people are spending however much on their Amazon accounts and this and that. I'm like, I'll I'll invest in books that I want on my shelf, just yeah. like this book because I see you have it here. Um, this is the book that uh, Dr. Peter McCullough and um, also John Leake co-wrote together 
And he says, there's 300 citations in here. Yeah. And he said, you'll want this book because when the next dystopian thing happens, which is probably nearer than farther away, he said, and all this stuff gets scrubbed. Here's the hard facts of what these studies show yeah. and the, the resources. Look, I'm going to admit something. I'm a terrible gift giver, but not this year, because my friends at Good Ranchers are making it easy to give the gift of meat. This is actually a great idea. In fact, a hard economic year for most has caused essential gifts to be more needed and wanted than ever. Fortunately, you can easily give the most essential gift of all this year, delicious meat. Good Ranchers has gift boxes and gift cards so that you can give America's best meat and seafood this Christmas. With discounts on orders of five boxes or more, you can save on gifts for the whole family or your business. When you give someone a box of Good Ranchers, you're gifting them more than the best meat they've ever had. You're giving a true steakhouse experience. With 100% American, USDA Prime, and upper choice cuts of beef, chicken, and seafood, you're sure to beat out the new socks and re-gifted candles for the best gift of the year. Head on over to GoodRanchers.com and use code LIBERTY at checkout for $35 off your delicious gift of meat. If you know someone that likes meat, then you know someone who will love Good Ranchers. Your gift goes further with them because they take the premium price out of premium meats. Go to GoodRanchers.com and find the perfect box for you or a loved one in their curated selection of hand-trimmed meat and seafood. Give the best meat in America, support local U.S. farms, and get $35 off your essential gift with my code LIBERTY today. Good Ranchers, American meat delivered. Yeah, yeah. for, for um, those of you who are listening and didn't see the visual, it's the courage, uh, the, uh, the courage to face COVID-19, preventing hospitalization and death while battling the biopharmaceutical complex by Peter McCullough and uh, John Leak, And mm -hmm. it is, um, I've, I've started thumbing through it this morning after um, the, the presentation, and it's, um, it's a great read. Um, it's it's uh, laid out in a good narrative format um, that, that makes it engaging, because some of the books that are written, mm -hmm. um, you know, in this COVID crisis, where they're, you know, having to quote a lot of science and, uh, you know, a lot of things like that, um, you know, can be a little bit of a slog to get through, but this is good, and I, I recommend it. They, yeah. They've put it in a narrative. I haven't yeah. read it yet, but yeah, they yeah. put it in a narrative. They say is fast paced and yeah, and, no, and it's, it's it's great, and yeah. and again, you know, well researched. The science is in there. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, and the citations uh, make up like you know a third of the book uh, alone. Yeah. So it's um, yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. And and, and if you're not familiar uh, with Dr. Peter McCullough, maybe you're just listening to this. Uh, he is. The, written more publications over a thousand publications as a cardiologist yeah, he's the most cited oh. um uh, uh, and ha uh, cardiologist and has the most um papers publications most, uh, publications written of any cardiologist that have ever existed on the face of the earth i mean that's a fairly significant it um, makes him hard to dismiss yeah like they tried to do that's right but even afterwards bryce you saw the presentation and the facts that he brought, and he only cited, he, he mentioned by name each study that he was going to talk about. I mean, he has incredible retention and memory. Yeah. And afterwards, a 60-year-old a, a doctor came up to me and told me about all the misinformation and how putting together uh, a protocol of hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and zinc and these things is all bogus and we're trafficking in misinformation. I, I sit there so dumbfounded. Yeah. Because I was looking at a doctor that in his own hubris, in his own arrogance, here, here's a guy that just gave, cited, he could have just written down all the studies he mentioned. Yeah. And uh, as the most published doctor in American history, and here this guy, he came in with the same narrative that the medical complex has been yeah. giving for the last three years, un- Unaffected, and so I guess there are n there. No one is so blind as those who will not see. Yeah, no, and and um, what's interesting is you notice he didn't go, uh, com you know, completely um, last night talking about ivermectin or no, no, you know no, no. Uh, hydroxychloroquine or any of those. Uh, what he did talk about is what you can do, you know, for your nose and different things as yeah. you start to get this upper yeah. respiratory, you know, nasal uh, uh, symptoms and all that stuff to 
not allow COVID to get a hold of you. That's right. You know, and so the, so it's more the early treatment idea, which, uh, the preventative stuff, which he said um, um, he believes that it's up to two thirds of the people who died did not need to die. Um, it's a tragedy. It's gonna and it's gonna go down in world history. It's murder. Yeah, it's murder. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 um, the, the, and there's, I, I don't think we should parse our words there. It yeah. is murder when mm-hmm. you purposefully hide or diminish the information that could save lives, yeah. to in order to uh, you know gain a political narrative and win uh, a a war to grab power. Mm-hmm. That's murder. And he even mentioned the links by which those in academia will go to destroy somebody's life, even if it's a, a, a heavy labor lift for them, that at the college where the young man was going to get his oh, PhD, yeah. he was a year away, done all the work, and didn't want to get the vaccine. And he said, well, I'll just take my credits. I'll go finish at another college that will accept me. And they said, no, no, no. They changed. They rewrote all policies. of all of the rules they sat down and rewrote in order for him to have to start all over at another school. They to destroy the show just man's life. just because he defied them is what it is. When he told me, it's, it's you know when you've raised kids, and I think that's yeah. my boy. Yeah, I I it is so infuriating to me. That's right at the line. I just gotta pray and say, Lord, help me out because that so that injustice. Uh, pushes me over a cliff in a way that I'm like, who's standing up for that kid? Who are these people? These 60-year-olds, tenured professors, doing this to a young man starting out. He's poured his life into yeah. this, and it's, it's really uh, yeah. heavy duty. No, and I, I hope they uh, face justice and consequences mm-hmm. yeah. for doing that. I, I'm sure they will. <laughs> Yeah, but this is a lighthearted Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, We're doing poetry. Hey, We're... this is a conversational podcast. We can go anywhere right. we want. That's um, right. But uh, you know, I did want to. I, I, I'm tying back to the poem and some yeah. of this stuff. Um, you know, uh, because this is you know like the this is our our um, our moment. You and I to mm. to get together before Christmas happens. Yeah. Um, uh, and if you're listening to this later, uh, later this week, yeah. um, you know, we, we will be having Christmas and I think it is a time to, um, you know, remember the universal truths that, you know, God has given us and yeah. make sure also that we as Christians, uh, especially with our kids and our families and people out there mm-hmm. are, um, making sure everybody understands what Christmas really is about and what the focus is because mm-hmm. you know we can get caught up in the world's focus on it yeah. and get caught up in the holiday season happy holidays yeah um, you know all of that and really hey it's the it's the birth of our Lord and Savior and Amen. the special story surrounding that yeah for sure and that's uh, I think you know touching on the poem having these incredible truths that are well worn and yet people that grow up with them begin to chafe under the well-worn truth. Yeah. And they want to go out and chase some fantasy. They want to go out and uh, there, there's there's some kind of abundant life outside of these things. And then they come back around full circle and say, hey, you know what? I went and looked and uh, there's nothing out there. And the beauty of, I believe, the built-in, and, and, and this is a biblical concept. The Lord had three major feasts that the men had to go to each year because each year you're reminded of solid God-given truth that is spiritual in nature, that is transforming in nature, that the entire family would go on pilgrimage to Jerusalem to experience, and three times of year just revisiting those things to write them on your heart, to write them on your mind. And we have those things in our culture. We have Christmas, we have Thanksgiving, which is a you know wonderful time. Uh, if it is a truly a thankful time to the Lord, rather than just who are the cowboys playing and the turkey we're going to eat. turkey, yeah. yeah. And then we have uh, Easter. And even as a nation, we have the 4th of July. But have you noticed the people to the left want to dismantle and destroy all these things? Uh, the All of these things, the uh, 4th of July is a white supremacist celebration. Why are you celebrating the 4th of July? It's, well, it's the birth of our nation. It's when the Declaration of Independence was signed. And so the people on the left are constantly trying to destroy all the solid truths that um, that water's wet and fire burns, and they want to move away from that until um, the brokenness of life brings them back to the table and says, yeah, Jesus is Lord. Yeah, amen. Speaking of Jesus is Lord, I wanted to get a pastor's perspective on something. Okay. 
I wanted to ask you about Santa Claus. Okay. And in keeping up with the theme of, you know, I I think we need to be very clear about these truths, especially Mm -hmm. in a a day and age such as we find ourselves in. And um, I wanted to get your perspective on Christians and Santa Claus and celebrating Santa Claus and, you know, houses and things like that. Because, you know, this can can be a contentious debate, um, you know, in our culture, even even among Christians. And so Mm -hmm. I was curious as to... Number one, you know, I know your your family of origin was a bit broken, yeah. <laughs> um, but but you know what what was maybe some of that tradition as a kid, yeah. and you know what did you do with your kids, and what do you you know what what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so uh, first of all, I did, and if I did, you have really little kids listening, I may you know reveal some secrets here. So <laughs> I, I I didn't um, uh, grow up as a Christian, as you yeah. you know had a, a great uh, Christian heritage and. Um, so our Christmas was pretty broken, and as we got older, I mean, we did everything on Christmas Eve, and it just became a big uh, drug and drunken party as a family. Right. That's what it was. So there was really no—we exchanged gifts, obviously. You have a Christmas tree, but the Lord was never— Why did you guys do it the night before? Um, it's just a thing. My, you know, From the time we were—I think, honestly, my mom, who, who kind of governed that— uh, hated to be pestered in the morning to get up early so she just oh. wanted everything open on christmas eve uh the party's christmas eve you sleep in on the kids play with things on uh, on christmas okay. morning right, right, right. so first of all that's not a very good point of reference but that's what i grew up with right yeah no well that that, that makes sense so and you know not surprised yeah yeah and then i became a christian and i'll, I'll never forget my first christmas yeah uh, because it was uh i, I never went into christmas thinking about anybody else ever. I was like, what am I going to get? And we right. grew up poor, so I knew I was going to get two pairs of Wranglers, a package of socks, a package of underwear, and a couple of shirts. That was Christmas and birthday. That's, you know. Right. And uh, I knew it was under the tree. That's always what was under the tree. Nothing new was ever under the tree, really, as I got older. And um, so it didn't mean much to me. And then I became a Christian, and I... It was almost like that first year, the first Easter, the first Christmas. I was so in awe mm-hmm. of Jesus's love for me and his goodness to me and his forgiveness for me. And I just want, I, I felt very much like, um, I envy that though, you know, the Christmas Carol, mm-hmm. right? When, when, um, Ebenezer, the morning he wakes up and it is Christmas mm-hmm. after the three ghosts That's of cool. the past, he's like, I didn't miss it. It's it's Christmas Day, and yeah. he's going out to buy the turkey, and he's going to go see uh, Tiny Tim and yeah. um, uh, all those things. And so that first year, all those things were that way for me. And um, I, I I just started thinking. I, I forgot about what I'm going to get, and I actually, for the first time, really thought, you know, what can I do for my mom? What can I do for my brother? Uh, that's cool. And, and so the change, in it, which to me is the heart of, his grace and his generosity to us. You know, the Bible says that he sheds his love abroad in our hearts. You know, it's like just flooded with, with who he is. And the first time I, I saw the, I mean, and this is so cliche and so dorky and cheesy in a Christian sense, but it was so real to me. Uh, and I've heard this sense that, I mean, truly after I came to Christ, the sky was bluer and the grass was greener. Because like, mm-hmm. it was like from night to day. And I, cool. I remember driving down Second Avenue in, in, in Twin Falls, and I looked up, and it was the first time I had went down that road for years, literally years. And I was going down this road, and I it was just a few weeks into my, and I looked up just a little higher than the road, and I saw the South Hills, the mountains. And I thought, I've been here all these years and never looked up and saw the mountains, you know, in our hometown. So um, my experience is not the normal uh, experience uh, for a lot of people. But then, then as a, a young father, I just wanted my kids to see the joy of Christmas. And yeah. we would read the Christmas. That's what we did is we read the Christmas story. I Because I had no real tradition, the Santa Claus was kind of a peripheral issue. It wasn't yeah. really something that was engaged in. And besides, the, you know, the, the fantasy kid. And I enjoyed all of the, I mean, I enjoyed uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer cartoon every year. Right. And, and some of those things. But other than that, I, I just didn't have... Those things weren't a part of how yeah. I, I came to the whole experience. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's cool. Um, I um, am envious of um, 
unbelievers who become believers who weren't raised in in um, Christianity or steeped in it as as a you know young kid because I I love that idea of seeing everything so new and that kind of transformational thing that I think that um, especially being a preacher's kid you don't totally get you know yeah you may have you know like there's definitely uh, a time that I've made it my own, but it was more of an evolution than mm-hmm. it was this yeah. sudden revelation of, wow, I've accepted, you know, Christ in my heart and, you know, boom, and hey, yeah. everything's new and all that stuff. Yeah. And so I, I, again, I positively um, envy that mm-hmm. um, because I think that, that you know, that uh, the drama of that yeah. can be profound. Um, in reverse, I also envy those who grew up with yeah nothing but the those... Uh, those traditions because they're so rich and I, I yeah. feel like they have such a long lasting impact on like your girls are going to have things that, you know, yeah, no, it's true. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and yeah, and I, have, I understand that perspective. Mm-hmm. So for me and I, and I think, um, I think my dad did this right. You know, um, my, my, you know, my dad and I, we have a, we have a great relationship now and, you know, love him, but you know, um, uh, we, we, I've, think I've said this on the show before, but my, you know, my parents were divorced when I was 13. And so, you know, there were some, you know, troubled times and obviously that would have yeah. been very troubled, you know, as a pastor divorcing, yeah. my mom divorced my dad yeah. and, um, they got back together, um, and, and remained married, um, uh, one month before Michelle and I got married, they got married and remained married through my mom's death, um, uh, last year. And, uh, my dad and mom, uh, we had Santa as a part of our Christmas. Tell me about it. What's that like? But it was not. Um, it was known, and I. And it's not as if they sat us down, but we knew that it was just for fun. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. we knew that it wasn't real. We mm-hmm. knew that he wasn't really coming down the chimney. We knew that he wasn't really magical. We knew that it wasn't really. But we would get a couple of gifts that would be labeled, yeah, to, you know, two price from Santa. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it was fun. And it was, you know, silly, and uh, you know, we we still enjoyed it. I don't yeah. feel that we missed out. I, we were still excited about Christmas. We were mm-hmm. excited about, you know, everything was happening. We, you know, stayed up, uh, you know, late the nights before, and you know, watched, um, you know, It's a Wonderful Life or mm-hmm. A Christmas Carol or you yeah. know some of those traditional mm-hmm. things or you know Rudolph or you know whatever yeah. you yeah. know the Little Drummer Boy. All of those yeah. things that one of my you favorite, know, the Little Drummer Boy. Yeah, many yeah. of us. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite Christmas movie is Die Hard, but yeah. you know. I'm it's also yours. Um, That's right. You know, uh, I got I got in so much trouble one year uh, when I was a uh, uh, newlywed because I sat in the other room as my wife. My wife would laboriously, um, uh, with great uh, eye for perfection, decorate the tree. Like she would. Uh, now she's she's gotten a little bit more expedient. And she has the help of my daughters, but she would like wrap every single branch with lights, and and it would take it would take hours. Yeah. Okay, well I check out pretty quick, <laughs> so I went and I watched Full Metal Jacket, and she could hear that in the, yeah. going from the other room. Yeah, this is my rival, you know, or whatever. This is my guy, or, you know, all that stuff. Um, not conducive to the Christmas atmosphere. Yeah. So I got in a, I got in a lot of trouble. Um, she didn't come out right right. You know, we were newlyweds, sure. right? Yeah. So she didn't come out and tell me, hey come on knock it off yeah. or or if she did i ignored her i don't remember but um but th- that still comes up from time to time mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what he did our first christmas <laughs> or whatever it was <laughs> watching full metal jacket in yeah. the other room uh anyway so i don't recommend that uh you know newly married men um, <laughs> might get you in trouble but we we didn't miss out on the joy of the idea of santa claus growing yeah. up but we knew that it was about Jesus Christ, and it was about the little baby Jesus. Yeah. It was about yeah. uh, you know uh, God sending His Son uh, mm-hmm. to us, right? Mm-hmm. And we treated it that same way with my girls. Mm-hmm. You know, we uh, Santa was a thing. You know that we just yeah. all knew. And again, yeah. I, I I didn't. We didn't sit them down mm-hmm. and talk about it. Yeah. We just like let it be known by mm-hmm. our attitudes and all stuff that it was just for fun. Yeah. And so we di- it didn't get in the way of Christ. Yeah. It didn't get in the way of that, you know, message or the importance of that. We mm-hmm. emphasized all of that, and we, you know, we t- too would, you know, read um, the the Christmas story mm-hmm. and all those sort of things. Yeah. But it, but it still existed. And it was fun. Now, 
there is a problem if you do have very close friends that have kids that are all about Santa and these friends make it a big deal and emphasize it and go through all of these prevarications of, you know, well, how did you get down the chimney, Dad? Well, you know, and they'll do elaborate explanations yeah. or they'll, yeah. they'll like really get into it and they will dissuade their kids' natural skepticism from believing in this magical man. Um, that, I think, is a little bit of a problem. If you are going overboard, overboard. to explain, you know, all these things or you're, you know, making powdery uh, footprints, you know, <laughs> on the carpet or, you know, little things like well, that. I guess there's a point. I mean, because mm. the kids are going to grow you know, up to a, in a certain yeah. age and they're going to yeah. realize this yeah. is all for fun. Yeah. Well, my, my daughters were asked by a very dear, you know, family, uh, uh, um, you know, son of uh, one of my very best friends in all of the world. Mm-hmm. And they were, and they, do you believe in Santa Claus? And they were like, well, you know, it's just for fun. You know, went went through yeah. this whole explanation because they were telling the truth. And, uh, and you know, it, it created some tension. Do you know whom you're voting for? With every product you buy and every dollar you spend, you are casting your vote. Devoted Capital offers values-based investing portfolios that are designed to help you reach your financial goals, all the while making a positive impact on your life and the world around you. They are dedicated to educating, engaging, and empowering you to be wise with your investments and to equip you to be knowledgeable with your vote. Visit their website at devotedcapital.com to learn more about values-based investing or dial 805-372-0821 to speak to your values investor advocate today. Investment advisory services offered through Alliance Advisory and Securities, LLC, registered investment advisor. It, it can. I mean, well, how people treat a lot of the holidays uh, and holy days, uh, to be accurate, uh, can create because family traditions, if yeah. you speak against that. Um, and I think that, you know, for me, I, I just like to be connected in reality, but I have no problem with the fun, um, uh, all the the trappings of Christmas, yeah. you know, the tree yeah. and the, uh, whether it's presents and Santa Claus, you know, none of those things bother me at yeah. all. Yeah. And, uh, just be mainly because I'm a really free soul. And yeah. I, I just, I love, uh, I love to have fun in life and there's so much stuff, even becoming a Christian and getting really serious. But then when I started to raise my kids, you know, it's like everything that I can say yes to with my kids, I'm going to yeah. now, if it's sin or dangerous, obviously I'm not going to do that. But Everything I can. I didn't want to be one of those. I had seen some Christians that were so uh, oppressive with their list of of, of stuff and no, yeah. no, no, no. That's like this no, no, no. I'm like, man, there's so much of life that you can really enjoy and explain those things. And and you know that's that's kind of why I wanted to have this discussion yeah. because I think you can err, you know, way too far on that side. I and agree. You can be nuts about yeah. it, and you can be incredibly rigid, and you can clamp down on the spirit of having fun of the holidays and enjoying yeah. some of these traditions. And I want yeah. people to enjoy. I mean, my recommendation is, yeah, enjoy Santa. You know, yeah. enjoy that idea yeah. with your kids. But I believe you can do it. And I and again, I, I give credit to my dad on this because yeah. I think he did it right. We yeah. still had fun with it. Yeah. And again, I can I can't go back to a time when he sat us down and said, "Now, Santa's not really, you know." I, I can't point to that. Yeah. We just kind of we just knew. Yeah. We just knew that it was for fun. Yeah. And and you know, I think that that's a healthy way to do it. So, you know, there's not a Yeah, I agree. Yeah. You know, not everything that, that get done right in my the Eddie household of my origin or in my Eddie household, but yeah. Yeah, I think that's one that that seems like we struck the right balance, and I don't think my girls ever missed out or you know yeah. missed anything. And, I think it's really important that know. people, you know, part of the maturity of of the Christian life is discovering Romans yeah. chapter fourteen, yeah. and that is and that is personal freedom. Like if you you know one person honors a day above another, right. and at this person this day is really important for me. Every day is the same, and yeah. and he goes he goes through this list of things, and uh, he. He says there's two dangers for us that we either judge those who have liberty and fun. Yeah. Because that's me. Like, yeah. I, I'm Mr. Free Pants. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I, I'm going to have fun. And my family, we Amen. we have a lot of fun. Yeah. And because uh, I love the life is, is hard enough. And laughter is a good medicine. Yeah. And so if you can have a lighthearted perspective. Yet, I have a sincere love for God. And so it's not like I'm going to go to a different place, but the others, you know, uh, despise. So you either judge people that are really free 
or you uh, despite, you look down your nose at those who are not free. They're, they're very rigid. They're very regal, legalistic. And for me, that's my temptation is to go, get a clue, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know I mean? Relax. <laughs> Rest, relax. <laughs> and so, I, you know, those are things are intention, but just, just on, to have that for On you. the other side of this, and I forgot to okay. note this, okay. my wife was defending using apologetics techniques the existence of Santa when she was little <laughs> <laughs> and and she believes that you know her, and again not to criticize my wife's family of origin but she felt like her mom took it a little far okay. in 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 convincing her that Santa existed and mm. she was out there in elementary school you know uh, battling Saint. these kids uh, yeah. uh, you know again using my wife's sharp wit and apologetics <laughs> skills and that's going a little too far <laughs> Because well, she, she will tell you she's dreadfully embarrassed when she finally found out that it wasn't real. Yeah, I think that's the difference between, you know, uh, being connected to reality and making things fun. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and, and I... Uh, I, and I, I like that term, by the way, connected to reality, because yeah. that is what I want, what I believe we should you know, have as Christians, especially yeah. because, you know, our kids are going to be called to defend their faith at some point, too. Yeah. And so we, we need to have real clarity around mm -hmm. those things. I mean, and I don't over-dramatize it like, well, sure. if you told if you taught them about Santa, yeah, you know, then how are they ever going to believe you when you tell them that uh, God is real? Yeah. I just think that life is more uh, organic and relaxed than that. Yeah. I mean, just be able to talk about anything. and But it's like anything. The, the more disconnected we are to reality, the more um, we're troubled when we get brought back to reality. Yeah. And so I think kids, that really it's drilled into them that the Easter Bunny's real and he lays eggs, which yeah. seems by itself illogical. And Santa's going to come down that he did. Santa does all the presents, but when the kid comes to the reality, whether they're in second grade yeah. or they're seven years old, or they find out, they kind of look at you like, "Well, now I'm the laughing stock, like you're uh, of the playground," because uh, why didn't you let me know it was real and let's just have fun? Or my with wife, it. like up to f age of fourteen, no, no, right now she's right now she's she's hearing this. She's like, "That's not true." Yeah, <laughs> no, we know that. No. I got your back, Michelle. We're gonna have fun, but uh, and I just think that that's that's true of anything in life. You know, just uh, from a parental perspective, to broaden that up just a little bit, which is really helpful. As I shared with my kids from the time they were young, there's nothing you can't talk to me about, right. whether it's sexuality or it's it doesn't matter. Amen. So the kids knew from a early they could they could talk about yeah. anything, and I'm like, okay, let's talk about that. Yeah. Let's and so there was no taboos or uh, this is a closed door for yeah. us to talk about because I promise you they're talking to somebody about it, and yeah. so they might yeah. as well be hearing from you and not freaking out about it. Because right. your your kids, when they go through the transition of their own faith, they may look at you at 14 and go, how do I know Jesus is real? Yeah. Now, they've loved Jesus up to that point, but when they transition from your faith to their faith, yeah. that might be a journey of a couple of years of them figuring that out. And, and you know what? That's where it is our responsibility as believers to know why we w believe what we believe. And I, mm -hmm. I say this frequently. Um, if we don't know why we believe what we believe and we can't properly explain it to our mm -hmm. kids and mm -hmm. lay out those arguments, you know, you're doing them a disservice. And yeah how a lot of parents react during those times when you know their kids start to question some of these things yeah. they freak out a little you know and and they might or they might get angry in the mm -hmm. in those conversations with yeah. their with their kids and and mm -hmm. you know the reason you're doing that is because you haven't been able to you know defend it think it through mm -hmm. you know oftentimes the anger or, or an emotional outburst is to cover up some of your ignorance or your discomfort with mm -hmm. having to, you know, lay out the truth and explain it and, you know, yeah. all that. And you're, and, and even if you uh, have kids attending church with you all these years, you yeah. know, um, they aren't going to necessarily absorb through osmosis all these things yeah. or even believe it then, or, you know, they're going to do that, you know, pushback time. And, yeah. and you have to be, um, uh, you know, I, I think ready for those questions and, yeah. you know, take it in a, calm, reserved manner, mm -hmm. listen, hear what they're saying, reflect back what they're saying, and then, you know, set mm -hmm. set to mind, you know, now, okay, well, let's explain, yeah. let's explore these things. I think, you know, I've observed not only, you know, uh, today my is my son's 34th birthday, cool. and so uh, that dynamic of, of raising kids, and now I have grandkids, 
but observing not only the the temptation myself but watching parents really fall into three three pit uh pitfalls so to speak when it comes to interacting with their kids in that um parents first of all they amplify their own children's goodness so that when they're bad they're shocked like oh i can't believe yeah. my johnny or am i just like yeah. well you know who you were right and yeah. you know so so you're shocked and, and I, I try to bring them back to that place of, of trying to encourage them uh all of us are fallen sinners and we will manifest sin all in our own dimension yeah so first of all get a parent needs to get in touch with reality that you are raising a fallen person that is so good is 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 going to fail and if you act all <gasps> shocked when they do rather than hey i understand okay. that you know? that, is, that is so good and i'm going to mm. hone in on that okay. point because um i heard it so many times over the years um also as a preacher's kid right um, and, and I was actually, I, um, I was not a bad preacher's kid. I wasn't, you know, one of those typical, yeah. like, you know, the uh, rabble yeah. rousers sure. or hell raisers that, you know, sometimes the caricature of a, mm-hmm. uh, um, yeah, get a preacher's kid, mm-hmm. you know, is that. But I was in touch with what was going on. And um, so many parents have put their Christian kids into situations of temptation and things like that. Like, oh, what's wrong with all those, you know, young kids going on a houseboating trip with, uh, you know, with... No uh, chaperones. No chaperones. <laughs> and nobody really watching carefully what's going on. They're good kids. They're Christian kids. They're going to be fine. Oh, listen, my kid, boy, you should see how on fire for the Lord they are. You know, and there were a lot of shenanigans that went on in these, you know, high school and uh, uh, groups, you know, that, yeah, that I was absolutely. a part of as, you know, even a preacher's kid back in the day. Um, yeah. I mean, it was it was some of the worst debauchery, in fact. Yeah. You So um, you need to be in touch with reality as a parent and understand that, you know, shenanigans will go on. Yeah. Even in Christian groups, without the proper um, uh, deflection, denial, um, you know, uh, distraction, you know, all mm-hmm. of the things that keep kids from going down those paths, mm-hmm. you know, you you have to uh, not take any of that for granted because we are we have sin nature, and you know, kids have hormones, the kids have all kinds of things that that you know will drive them. Kids, kids are. Uh... Kids are people and fallen creatures like all of us, but not my kids. <laughs> my yes. kids are perfect, and it's once again, it's it's yeah. a lack of being in touch with reality. Yeah, but but now, yeah. now you, uh, but you used a particular statement when you identified mm. that, and what was it mm. again? Uh, hit on that they overestimated uh, their goodness, or what? What was it? You you said a, I, I thought yeah. it was well put. Well, they uh, they they totally overestimate their goodness and they underestimate the the fallen nature within them yeah which everybody has yeah. and it manifests in different ways and different people it will manifest itself uh but the second um you know real pitfall that people fall into with their kids the um is now because i'm underestimating Basically, I'm flying the flag of my own pride yeah. on the performance of my child. Yes. So my flag's high. My my kids. Look at my kid. Look at yeah. my kid. I say, wait, wait a second. Your your kid is not. They are not the barometer of your success. Yeah. Well, mine are because mine are really perfect. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're not talking about I, my kids in this because mine are like your girls are great. <laughs> I agree. But the thing is, is that that flying our what what happens with the the kids so when they fail then our flag lowers and yeah. they sense that disapproval because you see uh it's and it's, and they and they may withhold um real honest conversation about things and, right because yeah. they don't want your delusion yeah. to come crashing into reality when they they hear you talk and it's kind of a global praise thing like and, and this is a thing that's so important for parents don't praise achievement don't praise this yeah. grade or this grade. And they've, and they've done studies. Yeah. Don't praise these things. What you want to praise is your effort. Yes, that's because Den- Dennis Prager is big on that. Yeah, and and it's really it's uh, you know 
coming from a book uh, called Emotional Intelligence, mm -hmm. which is a really, it was the one thing I took away from that book. Yeah. And it, it's so crucial because the kid that is just encouraged his whole life about effort, when you challenge them with something new, they smack their lips, clap their hands and go, let's yeah. do it. Cause yeah, they're I, not afraid to fail. They're not, they, they don't have the a, thing. there's a, uh, also a wonderful book, uh, called mindset by Carol Dweck. Yeah. And Carol Dweck yeah. talks about that in that as well. Actually, I think it is mindset, and it's mentioned in uh, emotional intelligence okay. or one yeah. or the other. Like the quote. Look at that you is and I. Gonna... See, okay, we said we're readers. Look at this. No, Look at us. well, but, yeah. I mean, hey. All right. So, but the re the reality is, for your kids, you'll you'll learn a lot uh, through that process. But to praise the effort. But the third thing I would say that parents f fail in is allowing their kids' journey to come to know Christ, because you want to. This is what parents do. I did this and this and this, and I, it's going to be bad for you. So I'm going to protect you from that by these strong boundaries. And it's like by the time your your kids are young teenagers, you should be allowing them certain freedom yeah. to fail within an environment of oversight yeah. in such a way that you're turning them loose. And if they struggle with their own walk with the Lord, that you can talk about that in, in such a way that, hey, you know what, no matter what, both my kids at different times asked me very penetrating scenarios that I knew they were looking for. Yeah. How bad can I fail, Dad, and you'll still love me? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That reminds me of two things. One, I've been so blessed lately um, that, uh, you know, my girls have been pursuing, and I need to do a better job pursuing them, but they mm -hmm. have been putting on my calendar a little coffee with dad appointments that's and awesome. things like that. And it has been really special. Yeah. And, uh, and we go out and, and I'm... And I, uh, I am grateful that they seem to be able to tell me anything and everything and want to tell me anything yeah. and everything. We have some, you know, real important deep discussions, which is kind of what they want to do right now. Yeah. And so I'm absolutely thrilled about it. But going to that last point you made is they, they've, they joke, and, I, and actually I take this as a, as a high compliment and, and um, like I'm doing something right. Mm -hmm. But they joke that I'll get upset on the small things. Mm -hmm. But they know, like, you know, the joke, like, if, oh, if I f spilled milk in the kitchen or something like that, you know, they would, they, and they would say this going, re reflecting back yeah. to youth, you know, yeah. like, uh, my middle daughter, Mia, who was funny, she would, like, randomly fall off of things sometimes, and she would, like, jump up, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. <laughs> but she would be just sitting there in that chair like you just are, and all of a sudden, like, what happened? Oh. You know, but you'd also, like, you know, juggle a, you know, cup of kefir, and, not, and by juggle, I mean spin it through the air to that all of the kefir will splatter every, you know, corner of the kitchen, you know, kind of thing. And I'd be like, ah, <laughs> you know. Uh, but they have both said that they know if it was a big situation, like mm -hmm. a big mistake, yeah, I'd be there for them. Yeah. You know, like they they're they're less afraid of you know my reaction in a really big situation. Yeah. You know, like the you know my oldest daughter told her totaled her car. You know, mm -hmm. the first uh, you know couple of months she got it. You know, we had to mm -hmm. get a whole new car. Mm -hmm. um, you know, which I was not happy about, but. You know, I, I did not, you know, blast or come down or the wrath of God or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I know that they feel, um, and again, I'm so grateful that they told me this because mm -hmm. this is truly how I believe, that yeah. they feel that they can come to me yeah. with like, hey, Dad, I really made a mistake. Yeah. I really blew it, yeah. you know, and and, uh, and I won't, uh, you know, go, go nuclear. Well, you know, that's the, the acceptance and the access to, because we're really just raising children to have a relationship with God. That's, you know, I mean, that, that's the example, yeah. right? Yeah. And when Jesus died on the cross and that veil was torn from top to bottom, the way of access to the Father's heart yeah. through the Lord Jesus was made. And, you know, that the kids sense that that veil yeah. is torn apart, that you have access to me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was mentioned, you know, my, my son said, Dad, you know, if I wasn't loving God, I'm praying about being a missionary or this and that. You'd go through this long list when he was a teenager. He said, but if I wasn't a Christian, I think, I think I'd run a drug cartel. And he'd go in this, <laughs> that's a big, you know, dark story. And he's like, what would you do? You know, I, that was, I was the drug dealer in town and I killed some guys. And I said, well, son, I said, nothing can separate you from my love. I'm going to be the guy that they'll see on the prison roll, you know. Rick Brown's here on every visitation. You know, I'm going to come yeah, see. Yeah. Nothing can separate you from my love. Yeah, well, and it, your behavior will break our, yeah. it'll dis make us distance. Like if there's bars yeah. between you and I, 
obviously, I, you know. Yeah, I, I, I love that. I think that part of my thought process for it mm-hmm. is, and, I, and I'm like mm-hmm. this with friends too, mm-hmm. is, man, I want that grace to be shown to me. Yeah. You know, when Absolutely. I make a really big mistake. Yeah. You know, I want to be forgiven and yeah. I want, I want, you know, I want my girls to, you know, have that grace towards me. I'm, you yeah. know, very far uh, from, you know, the perfect father that we have in heaven. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I there are things that I'm terrible at and yeah. and things that I, you know, need to do many mm-hmm. times better. So mm-hmm. I want that grace from those around me. And, uh, and you know, so I want to be a good father mm-hmm. uh, in that, but I also yeah. want to be a good friend to others. Yeah. And I want to, you know, forgive them of their, you know, offenses or proclivities or, you know, things. So yeah. I'm, I'm not easily driven nuts by, you know, the, the you know, you know, odd, odd, uh, you know, <laughs> odd under, uh, uh, odd prevarications of my friends, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because I want that to come back. Like, yeah, you know, ah, it's just Bryce. We love him anyway. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We, we want to, uh, cultivate relationships that are redemptive yeah, and yeah. grace oriented and forgiveness oriented. And that's what it takes to have be yeah. married a long time. Right. Is, yeah. is two really good forgivers that will not hold grudges and build up, um, accumulate the baggage without, you know, just daily uh, keeping a short account of things, and our kids need that too. Yeah. And we, you know, we had an agreement in our in our family that once, uh, um, now we train them on what good behavior was. So I don't want to. I'm talking. We're talking about the grace side of things, but we train them. Oh, amen. And, and well, expectations. We, yeah, we set expectations. Right. We set standards. Yeah. We, you know, yeah. we we're very clear. So you know, that's pretty easy for guys like you and I to say, "Hey, guys, this is the way you're going to behave," but. Um, once a, a failure had happened, there would be forgiveness and whatever the correction needed to be from the time they were young till their time they were old. And it was a, it was a family covenant. Once you have said you're sorry, and I say, I forgive you, it's never brought up again. All right. And if you do, I mean, the kids would say, hey, you know, I bring something up six months later, kind of forgetting. Right. Hey, hey, dad, that was mm-hmm. dealt with. That's, yeah. that's, uh, I apologize. And it kept things in a place that you know nothing's getting thrown in the face for yeah, good. extended period that's of good. times. So I should throw away that list I keep on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, <I'm sorry>. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I have a bad memory, so for me, it's easy <laughs> that's to a bit forget part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, it's just a, and I think you know, bringing us full circle, uh, the redemption of who Jesus is. He makes us all possible for you and I, yeah. Bryce. I mean, can you? I mean, just for me. I am a dumpster fire without Jesus. And so here we're going into the Christmas season. We get to celebrate that he came to give his ultimate gift, which is his life for yeah. us. Amen. And to, you know, make me a better man. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, on my own, I'm, I'm just uh, dominated by the darker nature inside of me that it's it's not good for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Well, that's a great way to end the show. Um, so, hey, enjoy this Christmas, people. Amen. Um, you know, get connected to your loved ones. Mm-hmm. Remember, it is about Jesus Christ. And mm-hmm. don't forget to leave those cookies out for Santa. <laughs> Amen. And, hey, open up that uh, Rudyard uh Kipling, yeah, poetry. Roger Kipling, yeah. gods of the copybook headings. <laughs> I, you know, I don't think I've ever, but you know, the way his name is is spelled, yeah, R U D Y R. Wait, it's, it's R. Yeah, R U D Y A R D. And I've never yeah. seen somebody else name that. Have yeah. you? I mean, it's a very unique name. I'm going to um, wager it's not common. <laughs> it's a British thing. <laughs> yes, it's a British thing. Hey, yeah, it might be. It might be a ton. In the, Thank you so much for having me. I always have so much fun with you. Yeah, so, well, I always appreciate this, and you pleasant. are, uh, you know, such a, a a good friend and pastor to me. And I appreciate uh, spending the time and having you as my co-host for this uh, pre-Christmas special. Amen. I love you and your precious wife Michelle and your three beautiful daughters. Yeah. So, amen. Blessing well, to you, you guys at Christmas. All right. Thank you for joining us on Liberty Station. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe to us on Rumble, Liftable TV, or Spotify, or anywhere that you consume podcasts. Please text these episodes to your friends and support our advertisers. I've seen the light in the darkness. I want hope for the hopeless and rest for the weary mind. And you've got truth for the taking, but my heart won't be shaken if today be the day.
that I die. Whoa, oh, whoa, oh, whoa, oh, whoa, oh. Now I'll worry about tomorrow or fear in times of trouble. I keep my heart seeking you. Oh, I will keep my heart seeking you. Whoa, 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 whoa. When that day draws near, when my darkest fear, I will keep my heart seeking you, and when your I will keep my heart seeking